need an aspiration you need to understand the aspiration need alone is not enough if you focus only on need um, no it is not that i need a 100 square feet of area that's the shelter and that's the end of the shelter no it must be an inspiring space which you need to create it it needs to be creative where you feel happy you feel happy to interact with others you you feel you take pride in what you possess well i would say if you get an opportunity definitely go through architectural education this is uh, my understanding is that this is one of the best processes of learning how to learn discuss important matters related to architecture the profession and its future with me today is architect shri premendra raj mehta let me introduce shri premendra raj mehta to you he was the former president of council of architecture india under the ministry of hrd he has unique distinction of being a member of various statutory forums of government of india dealing with art architecture science and research commerce urban development engineering and education including at lalit kala academy cbri rurki bmtcp under ministry of urban development committee on general agreement on trade in services that is under ministry of commerce he has been the chairman of all india board of architecture town planning and applied art at aict where he is also the member of aict statutory body on pg education he is a member of the gate committee of the government of india he has represented india at wto geneva in bilateral and multilateral negotiations on market access and also presented a proposal there on the recognition of the qualification he presently serves as a member of technology submission of mission for housing for all of government of india and is a member of national accreditation board of education and training of quality council of india Shri Premendra Raj Mehta sir has also been a partner of the Design Action Group since 1979 with several years of professional involvement both within and outside of India redevelopment of Connaught Place New Delhi a comprehensive urban renewal project implemented under Jawaharlal Nehru National Urban Renewal Mission has been visualized designed by him and executed under his supervision he is also a visiting professor at School of Planning and Architecture New Delhi we welcome you sir thank you so sir you know let me just directly jump into the question you know it's a very casual question a friend of mine you know she had a younger sister who you know wants to do architecture she wants me to counsel her why she should take architecture what should i be telling her architectural education is a unique education um, unlike uh, other educations here uh, the design program is prepared by a teacher for a studio and the nature of project is always very contemporary this education has a interactive in nature a teacher and a student work together 
and uh, every individual is attended to differently by a teacher depending upon his interest depending upon his response depending upon uh, uh, how uh, that student is looking at a particular uh, problem uh, so here is a process which teaches you to respond in your unique way to a problem or a situation and uh, it's it's more like a gurukul that uh, every student uh, has his own uh, uh, issue he has his own priorities he gives weightages to what he thinks he should be giving and a teacher encourages him to work around that so here is his ability as an individual is developed it is not a mere lecture uh, that what a teacher thinks is right is gets uh, conveyed to a student but here the inner ability the inherent or the natural ability of a student is brought out by a teacher through class problems and that makes it a unique educational process and uh, with this once you have studied architecture you've gone through the program for 5 years i think you become competent to comprehensively deal uh, with anything which you will face in life you can choose any career because you what you at the end of 5 years you have learned is how to learn so so that's the bottom line of architectural education that it certainly teaches you how to learn and that becomes your a process which assists you which helps you lifelong in dealing with any situations you will be in so i would recommend uh, with any other in comparison with any other education architectural education for everyone that uh, this is the process you should go through and thereafter you choose your career you do additional studies post graduation or specialization whatever but uh, this process of architectural education is unique and is the best this is what i can say absolutely sir absolutely so the architecture education creates a canvas for you to build your life on it so that was you know great answer and you know i hope that friend of mine will take her sister will take up architecture so the next question is sir you know regarding the number of architecture colleges to give a background to the viewers when you studied architecture the number be counted on the fingers of the hand in india and today we have over 400 and more architecture colleges in india so are you concerned about the number of architecture colleges that have sprung up in india today or is it good news for the profession according to you sir see number is uh, not a very at all you see uh, the schools are set up uh, by the society uh, because it aspires to get benefited by development of a particular education now india is such a vast country with such a large population uh, different geoclimatic conditions its different cultural thinking different economic uh, situations so a number of schools would actually help spread understanding of the subject in society uh, you see till everyone has got a built up space or an ambience to his liking as he aspires to have uh, the demand for profession remains this is one subject which is uh, which focuses on need as well as aspiration so it has both the facets it's not purely a functional kind of a requirement so it's a need and aspiration together aspiration is something which which keeps on growing you see as 
your mind develops, your economic uh, situation develops, your societal situation, value system develops, your aspirations would keep on going up or they would move differently from time to time. So the demand for profession remains. The number gives me a chance uh, that it gets spread. And uh, the quality of education is that since the whole process of design is evolutionary in nature, the gradually schools get established and thinking would also get established. And as I Absolutely. said, that the beauty of this education is that it is a studio based. The problems are contemporary in nature. So um, you, you would be able uh, to respond to a situation of a particular area, to a particular geochromatic condition. And that is specialization or your ability to respond uh, to that particular uh, situation uh, would uh, necessarily help a particular region um, tremendously. So instead of having two schools in Bombay, Calcutta, Delhi, or 20 schools here and there, and then asking those people to go back to a different geoclimatic condition or, geo, a, or a socio-cultural uh, situation, and they may take a lot more time. So if schools are spread across the country and uh, even if they are more, it, it really it will help the society on the whole. Great, sir. Great. You know that that brings a lot of hope for all the people who are in off locations, remote locations, places where there are not not lot of architecture colleges. So your uh, mantra is to have you know good amount of architecture colleges so that the socio-economic conditions of a particular area be served because of the college being there and the education being suited to that particular area. Now, another concern, you know, which my friend had, you know, for her younger sister was that, you know, there is really low uh, after degree employment, especially the amount of pay that people get as freshers. So should an architectural aspirant be worried for the kind of pay that he gets? Or is something exclusive to architecture or it's across the board in all careers? What do you think about it? You see, pay is related to, uh, or compensation uh, is related to your performance. Uh, as I said, that uh, the development of uh, various other um, activities in society, opportunities have also increased. Those who are in practice, what they ultimately have to do is to demonstrate that they can do a very functional and aesthetically beautiful house which is economical in nature also. And uh, it, it, it gives a, a very good feeling or ambience to the end user. So you have to aspire to do that. You cannot be doing it um, copy paste and uh, you can't be just merely thinking it as a need and just uh, keep working around the area, the square feet area and the size of the room and so on. I think you have to do something original, something creative, something which will be inspiring for your client and then people start compensating you. So that's in practice that a good architecture uh, is what is needed to do. You can't be doing a routine work every day and then expect a compensation. When in employment, there are two types of employment. One is working with an architect which is nothing but a precursor to your entry into practice. So you need to comprehensively understand that how a concept gets realized, uh, how construction takes place. So your idea, what you have learned in school, uh, what you have developed as an idea over a period of time, and then how you get it realized. So to learn that you have to be in office, so you are actually, uh, though in practice, but uh, you're virtually a trainee, you are an apprentice. So I think this is one profession 
uh, where realization issue is equally important, that is implementation of your idea is of equal importance. Uh, you need to go through that drill and don't expect a salary at that time, uh, which is comparable to those who are using their skill. Here you are using your uh, original ideas, creativity, your knowledge, and skill all put together. And uh, you have a much better chance of uh, going up the ladder uh, when you are in practice and you are performing. The third dimension is that you are now able to assist other professionals. You see, this is a unique opportunity which has come in last 15, 20 years, let's say e-commerce. Um, I have known uh, architects who are assisting uh, those marketing teams, graphic teams, and uh, analytical teams of all uh, in a great manner. And architects you know, play a very vital role because of their multidimensional understanding their understanding of psychology, their understanding of a, a sociocultural uh, aspiration of people. So their understand, holistic understanding of society helps people to um, strategize uh, their activities. And their compositions are very high because this is one ability which nobody has. So architects are doing wonderfully well when they are assisting or they are participating in a multidisciplinary team where the core is another subject, but uh, uh, the comprehensive understanding of the society matters a lot. So uh, in a faceless uh, world, which is uh, we are about to enter, um, this helps uh, tremendously because the experience which you have or experience of learning process you have, uh, others do it the hard way by encountering it. Uh, you know the process, you, you understand the outcome of that. And uh, the best thing is you are trained to visualize the outcome of what you do, which other professionals are not. So that motivates you and you are able to actually present it. Okay, this is what will happen because it's your habit uh, to visualize uh, your idea and put it together to analyze or compare two, three ideas that, okay, if I do this, this is what will happen. So other professionals are not trained in that sense uh, of visualizing. So uh, architect becomes a very important uh, team member in uh, development of uh, other professions and they're doing wonders, they're doing wonders. So um, if you are in practice, think differently. If you are in employment with an architect, think differently. And if you want to become a um, team member with other professionals, uh, then think differently. And finally, it is your performance which matters. And that happens with every profession. If you are able to perform, if you are able to satisfy, if you are able to give a happy feeling to your client, um, I think there is no limit. Absolutely. Absolutely, sir. Absolutely. So it's a holistic course, holistic learning, and you have to hold your ground and the you know you can go up the ladder and sky is the limit for this profession. And you know, architects are the best kind of people who will fit in any team and you know perform wonders there so sir, thank you so much for the answer now the next question sir little serious stuff we're going to get into is about that recent supreme court judgment which has stated that the architects act 1972 does not mention any exclusivity to the profession of architecture and non-architects can practice architecture is this a danger alarm for the profession or is it something that can be we can simply conveniently ignore and it's just another judgment what do you think sir See, now Supreme Court has uh, given this opinion 
this is the act came in 1972 so it's, it's almost 50 years uh, that uh, uh, whatever was the understanding of the society uh, through the this enactment that uh, now practice would only be done by trained uh, and educated professionals and government itself has set up institutions of uh, national importance it has introduced uh, programs at iits spas have been created more spas are in pipeline and so on so while um, the parliament thought uh, in 1972 that the time has come when uh, this exclusivity should come public should know who is an architect like public should know who is a doctor so you give a title to a doctor and you give a title to an advocate and that so that the public does not get confused if anybody claims that I can do this work because they understand that this is not only issue of functionality and aesthetics, but it is a question of life safety. And it's such an integrated subject with so many disciplines like firefighting, electrical, and now new systems. Uh, structural systems, and one needs to integrate them uh, in an articulated manner with around functionality and creativity. So some kind of exclusivity uh, was necessary because of uh, one has to undergo a kind of a peculiar or a very specialized uh, educational program. So it is it was expected uh, the intent uh, maybe when the bill was passed in 1972 that uh, it is time that. Uh, uh, we have this exclusivity, but the interpretation of Supreme Court almost 50 years thereafter is that uh, the specific reading or the bare reading of the provisions of the Act actually does not prohibit others to practice this profession. So they said any unregulated profession. So the implication of that is even engineering, which has absolutely no legislation to uh, bring in exclusivity to one who is trained or educated to practice engineering, it throws open a new situation that wherever there is no prohibition on others, uh, merely specifying who is an architect, who is an advocate, who is a doctor, uh, would not prohibit others from pursuing that vocation. Uh, so the, this has opened up a new situation and it is for now uh, for the parliament uh, to look into that uh, or the government, which has uh, invested over the years. When I say government, it is state government, central government, all put together. They've invested so much in development of human resource to practice the profession of an architect. Uh, I, I think uh, it is for them to review and uh, effect necessary amendments so that public gets served by those who are educated, who have the knowledge base, who are trained to, to pursue a particular profession so that uh, they get benefited by the development of an education. But if the situation remains that anybody could practice architecture, um, the society would be the loser on the whole, that uh, people would not understand whom to go for what kind of a service. And if this particular service or profession of an architect needs to be availed, uh, who is the right person? So uh, it is it is uh, for the parliament now uh, to respond uh, to the opinion uh, which has been given by Supreme Court and restructure a situation where the profession flourishes, education flourishes, 
and the public gets benefit of the development of education and profession absolutely sir so you know if you come remember your time sir when you were a young architect there were so many avenues which were open by default for architects you know for example i'll give an example valuation now last year there was a new valuation bill that was introduced and you know valuation at your time was a profession that you know was rendered by default by architects especially for land and building but today we have ibbi the you know the insolvency board which takes care of valuation and the future we are going to have a valuers bill which kind of you know has a diminished role for architects and you know they have to go through the same process like everybody else like an engineer like somebody else like an mba you know even an mba the thing is that is it fair for architects to go through the same process especially when they are doing valuation for land and building which they do every single day in their profession even after they have done a 5 year vr program is it fair for you know having such kind of you know entry processes into something that we always took for granted see as i said there is time when you don't need a specialist to do a particular job so you have a basic qualification you are a civil engineer you are an architect they think that land and building can be dealt with you in terms of valuation but when the specializations uh, emerge and uh, that time and the implication of what you do uh, become um, very vital and critical uh, it is expected that you can't be doing 20 things and one could be valuation you see so Uh, because there are when you work in now whatever insolvency or whatever other real estate has now taken a hit because of uh, various factors in the financial world and the management of those uh, real estate projects um, you need a specialist yeah, because you see implications are very large there are 50000 people who have invested in a project and uh, it is not merely a calculation of um, what is the land value what is the building value what is the likely remaining value and how you do it you have to take a comprehensive look and you have to get into depths of it that why somebody or why a particular property should have more value uh, than the other though their area is also the same um, maybe their location is same but um, uh, there are other factors which for which you need to be practicing every day you need to be specialist of that and then only the public should trust you trust your valuation that okay he is a qualified man and he has is experienced person so every profession this kind of a time comes when the specialty becomes very important for the society and society only wants to deal with specialist you see in medical education we have had mbbs doctors very experienced and actually everything could be dealt with by them but gradually you see the cardiology ophthalmology orthopedics you see everything and the society now when they have a particular issue to be dealt with they want to go to the specialist because he is aware of the development which is taking place in that field he is aware of its interface with other profession so they can group in the specialist so i don't think there is any problem but when it comes to exams and other things like nep 2020 it says that there should be possibility of credit transfer so if during my education i have acquired knowledge of certain subjects already um, i should be given benefit of that when i am doing another study 
for another specialization uh, of my liking. So if I have already acquired some credits, those should be transferred. So that kind of an arrangement should be there. NEP 2020 and besides that, and I hope uh, that would be managed. So what you told us is that, you know, that valuation, okay, we can do it. But at the end of the day, today is the time of specialist and specializations. And you've also yeah. told us, you know, that if there can be something good for architects and the architecture education and they're taking up valuation, it should be some kind of a credit transfer policy and a credit transfer mechanism so that it's a lesser load for them when they do, you know, value, valuation as a career. Now, another question, sir, you know, with respect to the practice of architecture, you know, it has changed a lot. You know, at your time, architect used to call the shot. And today we have EPC contracts where architect is a small little part of the whole mechanism. Now, do you think because of this change, the role of an architect has diminished today? No, and the role has actually not changed. It has got divided into two teams. This is one who is conceptualizing and uh, preparing the basic plans and uh, setting forth the parameters his, uh, in terms of the specification, in terms of uh, output parameters that uh, the air conditioning system has to give so much of air changes, so much of temperature at this ambience. The illumination system has to give so much of light, so many lux in so many areas. And uh, likewise, and basic architectural drawings are there, plans are there. So one architect's role ends with that, that he designs, sets forth the parameters. But when it comes to execution, the another set of architect and engineers would come in and work with contractor to prepare the working drawings. So the um, role of profession remains the same. The responsibilities get divided into two teams. And for this, um, you see, it is a, again, an evolutionary process that government thought that uh, there is um, the responsibility of safety, the responsibility of compliances, to relevant laws must come with one who is a builder, who is a constructor, who is a contractor, and not with the architect who is designing it. Because his role should be to design, set parameters, and maybe verify the drawings which are prepared by the working drawing team engaged by the contractor. But with the division of responsibility when it comes to execution of the work, they thought it needs to be separated from the creator, from the designer, and it must go with the constructor. Because there had been instances that uh, when a, a collapse took place, the contractor said that I have done concreting exactly as specified. The architect said that I have specified, but I have not built it. So it is a problem during the construction. It is not a design issue. And there would be a continuous debate that way because the, most of the construction is recipe based. You see, two things have to be put together. So whether you put it together in the right manner or not is a major question. So the government thought that okay, the EPC may be a better mode uh, where uh, the working drawings, that means the drawings for construction are prepared by the same person who is constructing it. So that the division of responsibility between uh, and the the specifications of uh, recipe and actually uh, construction. This is the word construction, if you understand, it means actually two things together. So 
uh, that responsibility goes. So in terms of the workload of profession, it never gets reduced. It gets divided into two teams. There are reasonable checks and balances that the first team has to oversee the work of the second team. And the second team has to um, ensure that they have a clear linkage with the team which will construct it or which will supervise it. So um, this is how the work division is taking place. And it's a evolving situation. It's an evolving situation. Um, and uh, this has been in practice in many other countries where actually work is divided into four parts. That a programmer is different, designer is different, working program preparation uh, team is different, and uh, project management team is different. So, and each one uh, looks at the uh, or supervises the other's work in terms of verification. So this is an evolving uh, situation. I think we should welcome this. This would make the professionals more responsible for um, uh, their work and uh, public at large uh, would get benefited and there would be no confusion that who is responsible for construction. So this is how it is. So, sir, thank you for that answer. You know, you've just told us that in the times of these hyper specializations that have come up in this current era, EPC contract actually opens up, you know, a you know, opens up for the architecture a new opportunity. For the architect, a new opportunity has been opened up where he can concentrate on the thing that he's best at. He's a creator, yes. so he can focus fully on the creation part and let other people who are specialized in doing the implementation do it well. So th thank you for that answer. You know, now I have another question with respect to this exam that was, you know, proposed by Council of Architecture that, you know, there will be an exam after you do BR to, to be registered as an architect. Do you think that this is a job of the college or the university to prepare trained architect rather than the council doing the screening? Because, you know, the first five years somebody spending in a college of architecture, which actually has been registered and that has been regulated by the council of architecture. So it is the college's job. Don't you think that uh, that the college should actually be training architects rather than the council re-screening them after they have passed through a uh, architecture college. What do you think, sir? My understanding is completely different. See, the exam which is proposed as a prerequisite for registration cannot be re-examination which already has done by the university. So it, it cannot be duplication. The whole idea of this exam is that whether an architect understands his responsibilities or not. So it is more connected with his legal liabilities that whether he understands that or not. See, world over uh, such an exam for registration, particularly if it is for registration, it is not a leveling uh, exam that you are coming from different, different schools. So maybe your knowledge base is different. So that you have to tackle by dealing with the standards of education in those schools. You see, if you think that a school is deficient, you have a responsibility towards that. You can go back, tell them that, okay, this is where you are deficient, improve it, otherwise recognition, recognition. You have so many other means to deal with that. And you have so many tiers to deal with that. There is a college, there is a affiliating university, there is a government uh, which funds a such institution or a body. Uh, which is promoting that education. So they deal with the education part. And Council of Architecture has a role to oversee the maintenance of standards 
um, as a process, as an integral part of the process of recognition of qualification. It is a, a responsibility of Council of Architecture to identify where the deficiencies lie in a particular institution and what are the ways and means by which they can make up. So that is a separate issue. So I would not recommend that you have an exam uh, which is like a leveling exam, because then you have to take all five years exam. So, but my understanding of uh, the exam, which could be prerequisite to a registration, is uh, simply an exam to understand that you understand or appreciate your liabilities or not, that the kind of responsible profession you are in and the meaning of your signatures could mean change of world for somebody. So you need to understand that so that you never get into a problem of a kind uh, where you say, oh, I didn't know that this is my job or this is my responsibility. So any profession for that matter uh, should have this kind of an examination um, because it is not merely a creative word that you have drawn and now it is somebody else's responsibility. Uh, you give an undertaking to a municipality that this building is designed by me and will be constructed under my supervision. So you are taking responsibility of the life safety of people during construction and post-construction once it is occupied. So you must understand the implications. So this exam should be for that purpose. And uh, then you say that he has reasonable experience. Uh, he has uh, obtained a degree from a college. Thereafter, he has worked in an office. He understands his responsibilities. And now he's fit to take that responsibility. So, so the exams are not understood, but uh, this is the real need. So this is this should not be a leveling exam to test their five years of education, but just an exam no. which basically what occurs to me is a refresher exam to the professional practice course that is taught in uh, most college all colleges in India uh, of architecture. No, it is not professional practice exam. Professional practice uh, as an education is uh, trains you what you would be doing. But then you say that now I am ready to take this responsibility. So it is your preparedness to actually enter into profession and take responsibility for what you do. Uh, that needs to be uh, communicated uh, to Council of Architecture through this exam that, yes, I am ready. So it is your readiness which is being tested to enter into profession in terms of your legal responsibilities you are likely to take. And not really thank you, sir. Exam. No way. No thank way. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, sir, uh, you know, thank you for that answer. So, my next question is regarding, you know, as we see there is globalization happening, as you see EPC contracts have happened where there's hyper specialization. So, don't you think the time has come that architecture becomes a little corporized? You know, like it should be corporate corporatization of architecture should take place. Architects should be allowed to incorporate companies dealing in architecture and construction together as a private limited company, because that will, you know, let a lot of capital being pumped in and more jobs being created because in international competitions, architects really need to show a lot of capital under the belt to, you know, apply for tenders and all. So don't you think the time for corporate, corporate architect firms has come in India? See, there is a misnomer. Expansion of your office, has nothing to do with whether I permit you LLP or private limited or partnership. It is the business you are able to acquire and deliver 
uh, whatever you are expected to. So even if you are a proprietorship, partnership, or private limited, it does not matter because it is something related to your profession. Now, pumping in money, even in partnership, you can pump in money. Uh, you see, with the private limited companies, LLPs, those are there to restrict your liabilities. You see, the, uh, the whole idea of incorporation and corporatization is that. Now, pumping in money is a business decision. That uh, who is investing and who would be the beneficiary. Don't think that if you are a partnership firm, you cannot avail loan. Don't think if it's a partnership, somebody cannot uh, fund it, your activity. Uh, the only thing is when you go into private limited and other companies, it is restricting your liabilities. In a private in a, in a proprietorship firm or a partnership firm, you are completely liable. There, there is no distinction between the firm and an individual. And all professions work on that principle that uh, a, a profession uh, can only be practiced by a natural person. Now, that's the importance of practice of profession. It is a juridical person cannot practice a profession. Profession has to be practiced by a natural person. So be it medicine, be it law, be it architecture. The firms don't practice. And the, uh, the private limited companies don't practice. Finally, it says who has signed, who's advocate on the court, who's the doctor who has signed the prescription. Hospital doesn't sign a prescription. So money can be pumped in hospital, but not in an individual. So that concept should be very clear that it is a natural person who practices a profession, who has been authorized, who has been licensed, who has been registered, who has the knowledge, um, who has passed an exam, uh, whatever is required as a prerequisite to the registration, he alone can practice. Uh, then the next question, next part of your question is whether there, there can be an integration of a construction company and architecture company. Why do you want to have it? In what way does it help you? You see, since uh, CBC guidelines are misinterpreted by somebody on the issue of turnover and other things, you think by having a construction company within you, you will be able to meet the requirement of turnover. You see, that's the kind of uh, solutions people are looking at. I think the problem lies with the CBC guidelines, which are being misinterpreted by uh, somebody that you have to have a, um, so much of turnover or experience of such and such project, then only you can do. Maybe it is time that Council of Architecture takes a lead on uh, selection of architects by public bodies, prepares a criteria that uh, what is the importance you see, I may be doing like I did a big project at one time. Thereafter, for two years, I don't want to do anything. Now, that does not reduce my ability that as and when I will get a project, I will build a team around it. It's a professional's work. So if I need a good structural engineer, the structural engineer who has done large span buildings, I would engage him. I need not have him in-house because if I have him in-house, he'll be doing only the kind of projects I have. So... Uh, that scheme of engagement of an architect needs to be restructured in contemporary times. Council of Architecture needs to take initiative and set forth the right kind of criteria where creativity is valued. CVC guidelines very clearly say merit. They, they, they realize that this is a profession which requires uh, creativity as the, the first point of um, consideration. So considerations relevant to the profession should be evolved and not those are which are meant for contractors 
um, they are applied to for the engagement of uh, an architect. So something needs to be done about that. And then any kind of structure which maintains the integrity of a firm or a company is acceptable. Even if it's a private limited company, put some riders, but okay, this is how it needs to be so that it's integrity as an architectural firm that remains. So, sir, thank you. Thank you for telling us about this CPC guidelines and clearing the misnomers around, you know, how to incorporate a company and whether an architect needs to, you know, have partners from other professions and then create a company. As you told us that the sky is the limit, even with the current setup, as long as you have merit and you're good in the profession. So my next question is regarding, you know, it's a funny question, but it's regarding the shelf life of architectural profession as we visualize it now. Do you think how long do you think is the estimated shelf life of the profession of architecture as things are today? And if they go on like this, or do you think this is the wrong question to ask? No, as I said in the very beginning, this is a profession which responds to your need and aspiration both. So till you have what you aspire to have in terms of your built-in open space, this profession has not completed its work. And aspiration is something which keeps on growing with your development of your mind, your knowledge, your ethical values, your societal system, your economic system, development of, let's say, in electronics, development in medical science. So when every profession is developing, your aspirations grow around that. Until that is fulfilled, uh, my profession uh, will remain in demand. So uh, I think there is no limit. Absolutely, you have to be contemporary in your responses. And uh, people would know that, oh, you can respond to what is uh, required now in a very creative, aesthetic, and original style. You do it, and uh, you have a space for yourself, unlimited. So being contemporary, being creative, and you're responding to what the client needs is the key to holding on to this Need profession. and aspiration. You need to understand the aspiration. Need alone is not enough. If you focus only on need, um, no, no. It is not that I need 100 square feet of area. That's the shelter and that's the end of the shelter. No, it must be an inspiring space which you need to create. It, it, it needs to be creative where you feel happy. You feel happy to interact with others. You, you feel you take pride in what you possess. And uh, it helps you in increasing your productivity. So if that happens, fine. So, and that is a dynamic thing. So every day there is a new aspiration. Thank you. Thank you, sir. You've covered a lot, you know, a lot today, including, you know, how should I counsel my friend to take up architecture, to architecture colleges that have come up, to, you know, the kind of pay that people get after architecture to valuation to the Supreme Court judgment to, you know, EPC contracts and how things are going to be, how specialized things are going to be to how architects should incorporate themselves as a legal entity. And now yeah. I would request you to have a message for the viewers which inspires them. Well, I would say if you get an opportunity, definitely go through architectural education. This is uh, my understanding is that this is one of the best processes of uh, learning how to learn. So go ahead and join architectural school. 
it will be wonderful thank you thank you thank you very much sir that was architect premendra raj mehta for you and you know thank you thank you thank you sir thanks okay